angels or souls? Who expresses godliness more? When the Alter Rebbe Nagera Sacheva speaks about the power of the soul, not only to correct mistakes, but to restore godliness in the world through Teshuvah, he compares us to angels and says, angels only manifest a lower level of godliness in the world. But on closer examination, it actually sounds like possibly the Alter Rebbe is saying, but they reveal godliness better than we do. What exactly is the message? In fact, in Perik von in the fourth chapter of Egeres HaTshuva, when the Alter is mevoreed at time where the Alter explains the reason for Avos, Malochim Vernongerufen Beshem Elokim, in his explanation of the difference between souls and angels, he tells us that Malochim, angels, are referred to in the Torah with the name Elokim, which is of course the name of Hashem. As Dossi Stefari explains, the reason is, because... That is to emphasize for us that the life force that keeps angels going actually comes from a more superficial dimension of godliness. And that's represented by the name Elikim because because that is a name of Hashem that represents a more superficial expression of godliness. And then he proves it with three verses. First Pasuk is The Pasuk tells us that Hashem, your God, is the God of all gods. Then the second Pasuk is That we should praise the God of all gods. And then the third Pasuk is In the book of Eov, we're told that on Rosh Hashanah, the so-called sons of God came to sit in judgment. So Reb Levik, the Rebbe's father, explains in his commentary on the Tanya, as he drives Pesukim, the fact that Alter Rebbe here quotes three different Pesukim is because it's Lenegi de Drei Bechinas for Malachim. He's referring to the three major categories of angels, which are called Srofim, Chayos, Un Oifanim. And these three angels, what distinguishes them is, they live in the three different dimensions of reality. Bria, the higher dimension is Serafim. Yetzira, a somewhat lower dimension is Chayos. Unasia, the lowest dimension, which our physical universe is part of, is where you find Oifanim. So that's the link that Reb Levik makes between the three Psukim and the three categories of Malachim and the three places where they are manifested. Uner is Moisev, then explains. And these malachim are formed from three different variations of letters of godliness of Hashem's name, so to speak. Um, So they are letters of Hashem's names that create these different angels, and they're split into three different levels. What are the three different levels? Machshava, thought, which is represented by Bria, Dibur, speech, which is represented by Yetzirah, and Maisa, action, which is represented by Asiya. So from there, Safa is Kentik from what Reb Levik has added over here implies as he's telling us what Al Trip is doing over here by quoting three different Psukim to align with the three different types of angels. It turns out that Al Trip is not just drawing our attention to the fact that there are three different categories of angels. And all three of those categories of angels are all manifestations of the name Elohim, and therefore they are referred to in Torah and three different Pesukim as Elohim. The Alter is telling us more than that. No not only is Shem Elikim this generic term that refers to the production of these three different categories of angels, but in that name itself, there are these three different uh, aspects or particulars of the manifestation of Hashem's name and the letters that represent that name, which in turn relate to these three groups of angels.
The shame of the Kiva state in Ishna Pasuk. So, where do you see this distinction between these letters? So, look at how the different Pasukim are stated. The first Pasuk is, Your God is the God of all gods. That is a Pasuk that represents the type of letters that are thought letters, which are much more ethereal than speech letters, and obviously more so than written letters. They're very subtle and sublime and abstract. And so therefore it's those letters of Hashem's name or of Hashem's energy that give rise to the Malachim that live in the world of Bria, the Seraphim. Whereas the name of Elikim represented in the second Pasuk. That refers to the letters that form words that are actually spoken. They are the force that creates those angels, the Chayos, that live in a lower realm of Yetzirah. And the name of Elikim in the third Pasuk, which is the Pasuk, that's referring to actual pragmatic letters, so to speak, written letters. And it's that dimension of godliness that gives rise to the lowest form of Malachim, that live in the world of Asiya. Now the big question over here is, we have to understand, why is this relevant over here, in this particular section of to know that different kinds of malachim are the product of different kinds of manifestation of godliness. That's not the thrust of this chapter. This chapter is how we should do tshuva. Why are we now having a class in, practi- in, in practical Kabbalah? Had Reb Levick just simply said the three different psukim correspond to three different categories of angels, fine. We would have explained then we would say the reason the Alter Rebbe quotes three psukim is because he wants to highlight for us as that every different type and variation of malachim, even the very greatest malachim, the highest form of malachim, which are in the highest world, he wants to emphasize that even the greatest malach is only a manifestation of the name malachim and not higher than that. And that would have fit with the theme of the peric because the peric is to distinguish between the superficial experience of malachim and the deeper experience of neshamas. But he's giving us more information. We have to understand why. That Baldober has a tata is Moisef, seeing as Replevik draws our attention to the fact that it's not just for us to know that there are three kinds of angels and all of them belong to the name Malikim, but Dafka to tell us that each one is a manifestation of a different type of letters, a different type of formation. <coughs> is the Formoven Canal. As I learned, as me did I psukim will dalterem and merame sein. So clearly he wants us to know that the Alter Rebbe was speaking not just generically but specifically that there are different types of manifestation of godly energy that produces through Malachim is tomorrow. That's very strange to us. Why would it be relevant over here in a Geras HaTshuva, which is speaking to us and telling us about the power of Teshuva and the need for Teshuva and the process of Teshuva? Why here would we have to talk about <coughs> the process of how different Malochim are forged and formed? So that's a specific question about the wording that the Alter Rebbe used. Let's expand the question to a broader issue, which is what's going on over here in this chapter generally. Why did Dal Treba speak at all about the fact that Malachim are called Elohim in the Torah? That's in context. Because Dal Treba had been talking in this parak about how the Neshama is so superior to anything else that exists in the whole of creation. 
אז תצבור השמיים, ואונה אפילו מלוכים, זה בשפן גבורן, וזה נחי בקיומים, פרוצנוס החיוס, ואלטרבס מסג' is this, צבור השמיים, the celestial beings, the, the planetary systems, etc. and even מלוכים that are far superior to them, are all the product of a superficial dimension of godliness, versus מלובש, אינדיאס אוסישה באסורים המורס, and that more superficial godliness is expressed through the words that make up the ten utterances of creation. And the comparison and contrast is, whereas our neshamas come from a much deeper dimension of divine energy, except that then that neshama, which is originally from a very deep dimension of godliness, has to then evolve through a process which involves Hashem's word, let us make man, and that allows the neshama to manifest in the human form. That neshama could now live inside a human body in the physical realm. But the neshama itself belongs to a spiritual technology that is way, way deeper than the technology from which the, everything else exists, even Malachim. So that's really what the, the, the point of what Alter Rebbe wants to make. And then, once he's made that point, then he continues. That's why Malachim are called Elohim. Now that we know that Malachim are the product of a more superficial dimension of godliness, whereas Neshamas come from a much deeper level of godliness, that would explain why the Torah will refer to Malachim with the name Elikim. Unlike the Neshama, which is actually a piece of the Eibishter at a much higher level represented by the name Yudke Vavke. As the Altarebbe quotes the Pasuk that says, we, his nation, are a piece of, a segment of, Havaya. of a much deeper, higher dimension of godliness. Because Elikim is a name that represents superficial manifestations of godliness. Whereas Shem Havaya represents a much deeper dimension of godliness. Dav men farshtein, so if that's the case, we have to understand what's going on over here. Out of all of the various creations that are the result of a more superficial dimension of godliness, the only, the only ones that are called Elohim are only Malochim, is that proves that's obviously telling us that there's something special about Malochim. Because no other being that is created by that more superficial energy gets to be called on Hashem's name. And the Malachim are. So that seems to highlight the greatness of Malachim. And that's even compared to the other celestial beings, whether they be physical or spiritual, and they're not called Elikim. So what is the greatness of a Malach? You look at a Malach, And you can see whatever godly force powers it, you can actually see that force. You can detect that there's godliness radiating through the Malach. And it's so obvious that there's godliness in this Malach that you can call the Malach, which means you identify the Malach as Elohim. Now that's really problematic for the context of what Dal Trevor wants to say, isn't it? Move on. The purpose and point of what Alter Rebbe is talking about over here is what level 
of godly energy makes something exist. And then he's contrasting the level of the neshama versus the level of other things, malach included. As Archais is nor from Bechinus Chitzonius, and the Altrebo wants us to know that everything else that exists exists only with energy which is superficial. And in that way, Malachim is actually similar to the celestial beings. So if the emphasis over here is to tell us these things, Malachim included, are all the product of a superficial godliness, why tell us over here and the Malachim are called Elikim? That's telling us not just which level of energy gives them life, but how that energy affects them. Which distinguishes Malachim from all other beings where you don't see the godliness shining through. But in a Malach you do. Why is that relevant over here? The Altarebus point is to tell us how much or what degree of Chayas does they wish to put into all of these things compared to an Ashama. Why tell us? But in a Malach you can see it. Actually, that's going to raise a very serious question. When you consider the human, the Jewish soul, which granted comes from a much deeper level, as we've identified, it is linked to Havaya. But there's no way in the Torah that the Neshama carries that name. In fact, Alter even says it over here at the conclusion where he compares and goes back and says, But the Neshama of a human being. The Alter doesn't say the greatness of our Neshama is that it's called on Hashem's name. Which he just said about the Malachim. Look how great the Malachim are. They're called the Lekim. He doesn't say we're called Havaya. All he says is that we are a piece of Shem Havaya. And there's a practical reason for it, because when you look at us, you don't see godliness radiating through us. Even though we are keyed in to a much deeper, profound level of Elikos, you don't see it on us. Whereas in a Malach, you do. Actually, our Neshama doesn't even get to be identified with the more superficial name of Hashem Elikim. And the reason for that is because Anishama goes through this evolutionary process and it's Im- embedded within a human being. Once Hashem says, let's make people. So that means once a person is a human, not only do you not see the full value of Anishama, Havaya, you don't even see the lesser value which the Malachim have, Elohim. There's no God in the seeping through to our surface. In that case, we have to understand. Why here, in the context of where the Alter Rebbe wants to illustrate the greatness of the Neshama, does he quote something that actually illustrates the greatness of an angel versus a Neshama? The thrust of this section is to tell us how great our Neshama is, how it's superior even to the celestial beings and even to the Malachim, and yet... Malachim radiate godliness in an obvious way, and we don't, surely that is counterproductive. So, the explanation goes like this. Why does the Altarebbe quote this passage that we are a part of Shem Havaya, we're a part of Hashem? The Altarebbe is telling us something incredibly important. Not only is our Neshama at its very deepest root one with Hashem, 
with and not just with Hashem, but specifically with Shem Havaya. wants us to know that even once the neshama has entered the human space and is now confined in the human body, which is really the first time you can actually call it the soul of a human. Still then, is that's what the Alter Rebbe is telling us, that even in our human form, with our lack of awareness and consciousness, we are still a piece, not just of Hashem, but specifically of Avaya. On various Mam as he continues, as in from Havaya. The Altreb is actually going to explain that in our Neshama, as it lives inside the human being, there are reflections of and expressions of the four letters of Hashem's name. The reason he mentions that is because it's relevant to his explanation about Shiva. The fact that our Neshama is a piece of Hashem is the basis for understanding how serious it is for a person to do an Avera because it affects a name of Hashem, the hay, the final hay of Hashem's name. As Al-Tareb explains in Igeras Shiva that every time we do an Avera, we cause an element of the final hay of Hashem's name to be schlepped down into Golos. And even though it's only the final hay that we drag into the Golos, that has a knock-on effect and blemishes all of the letters of Hashem's name. So that's telling us that the letters of Hashem's name are invested within us, within the Neshama, as it lives inside a human being. So that's the message over here. Yes, at our root, we are totally built in to Shem Havaya, but even here in our physical form, we still retain that, uh, that connection, we still chedek Hashem. Now, even though you could say, well, there's an evolutionary process and it's only really at the beginning of that process that you could say Anushama drew from Shem Havaya. But then it went through the evolution. Because if it hadn't undergone that evolution, the neshama could never be part of the human experience, could never be within the constraints of a human body. So therefore, therefore that neshama had to go through these filters of the letters of Hashem's name, specifically the name Elikim, and only that way could the neshama get inside the body. But Dal-Tarebbe's message is, it doesn't matter how many steps they've been in the process, it doesn't matter how spiritually out of touch we might feel, the fact is, we always remain connected, not just to Hashem's energy, but to Pneumius Achais, to the very deepest energy of Hashem, to the extent that we are even still a part of Shem Havaya, even as we live in a body. That's the Alter Rebbe's message over here. And that is the great advantage of the Neshama compared to every other thing that exists. Even though in the broadest sense, the root of every single thing that exists is from Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. As the Alter Rebbe explains very much in detail in Shari Yichud Voimona, as the Pirush from Shem Havaya is, that the meaning of the word Havaya is Shem that it brings every single thing into existence. So therefore, anything that exists, that is a factor of Shem Havaya. And the purpose of Shem Elikim is only to filter direct and make the energy of Havaya appropriate, that it's not going to completely obliterate and overwhelm and, and blast the world. So you'd say, but everything comes from Shem Havai. What's unique about the Neshama? 
The distinction of an Ashama is that even after it has gone through a process, which includes many filters and tzimtzumim and, and uh, iridas, etc., and that all to facilitate the neshama's entry into this world is in The point is that the neshama does not lose its absolute connection with the name, with the experience of Shema Havaya, with the deeper dimension of godliness, and that's what makes the neshama unique. So let's understand how that plays out. In so where do you see this? How, how do you experience this? That there's this massive value and, and advantage to the neshama being inside a body still plugged into Shem Havaya that you don't see anywhere else. So, maybe the easiest way to explain it would be based on something explained earlier in Tanya. As the symptom the Hesum for Shem the Kim Gimacha the whole blurring of godliness and the filtering of godliness with Shem Elohim, which has the gematria value of nature, and therefore that's really where Elohim operates in the systems of nature. So, generally speaking, what we say is, what Shem Elohim does is it blinds us to the fact that Abish is running the world and gives us the impression that there are forces of nature and those forces of nature control everything. So if that's what Elikim does, then we have an easy explanation to say what's different about a Yid. We could explain. What is so special about our retained connection to Shem Havaya, even when we're living as a human being? So it's say, well, here's the clear indication, here's the practicality of it. Look at the Jewish nation as a whole, our survival is completely supernatural. Look at the life of an individual Jew, Jew and you'll see that there are supernatural things that happen all the time. That means we're not locked into Elohim, we're not locked into a reality that is defined by the world of nature. Simple answer, there we've got it. That's the greatness and difference between our neshama and everything else. Okay, so the difference is that in the world it seems that nature is at play and in the, the Jewish person's life you can see that Hashem's hand is at play. Now the language that the Alter Rebbe had used over here when saying that the Neshama is different, he said these words, it's a hefresh otzum me'oid, which means it is an extreme, absolute distinction between the neshama and everything else. And the difference between those words otzum and me'oid is that otzum is be'echos, that's describing a qualitative difference, and me'oid is becomes a quantitative difference. That means we are totally different from the rest of the world in every sense of the word. What we've just described is not a fundamental exponential difference, it's just different levels. More awareness of godliness and less. Like for example, if you had to compare the celestial and the ter- terrestrial beings. What's the difference between the celestial and terrestrial beings? You look up at the celestial beings, you're more aware of godliness. They're more impressive. That's why they, they were worshipped at certain points in time because they indicate, they, they express more godliness than we do here on earth. In fact, that's why we're told in, 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 you know, in the Pasuk, you're supposed to lift up your eyes, look at what's going on in the high realms, experience what's going on in the heavens, and that will help you to recognize that Hashem exists. 
So there's no exponential fundamental difference between the higher and the lower, between the planetary systems and our Earth. Just that it's more impressive when you look out at the Milky Way and it makes you realize that there's godliness. So if we're saying, and beyond that is us, because we have these supernatural experiences, then we're saying we're just next level up. If you observe history, that we are a, a, compared to a single lamb surrounded by seven hungry, 70 hungry wolves and we survive. And the same in each of our lives. That's why we have so many miraculous events, inexplicable pieces of our history, inexplicable pieces of our own day-to-day lives. Okay, so that helps us to recognize God in a, a clear way, even better than looking at your telescope and, and experiencing the beauty of uh, the Andromeda ga- galaxy. And besides that, the fact that it's not saying we've got this exponential X factor, Besides that, if we're going to say that the greatness of our neshama is that we have evidence to the fact that there is a God, Jewish survival is evidence to the fact that, that there's a God. In fact, certain outreach organizations use that. It's one of their, their pivotal arguments to prove that there's a God, because otherwise how could we be here? So what we're saying is, then we're evidence to God. But that doesn't show that we are part of God. It just shows that we're evidence to God. On the Faris Al-Tareba Moisif, and because Al-Tareba wants to make this exponential distinction between us and everything else that exists, even the most spiritual beings, that's why Al-Tareba says, That's why he says, Malochim are actually only called Elikim. On Brengtef Dem Drei Pesukim, and he quotes the three Pesukim, because the Alter wants to clarify for us that the difference between our neshamas and anything and everything else that exists, including the heavenly beings and including the malachim, is is not a um, relative difference. It's an absolute difference. We are in a totally different realm of existence, even to malachim. So to understand that, let's understand why Malachim are called Elohim, and that will help us understand the greatness of Hanushamah. So we already said that the reason a Malach can be called Elohim is because when you look at the Malach, you actually see godliness. So therefore it's fair to call the Malach Elohim because the Malach is a representative of godliness. In other words, It's not just that you look at a Malach, and it makes you recognize that there has to be a godly energy keeping it alive. Which is the experience that you have when you look out at our universe and you say, that magnitude and that complexity, there has to be a, a, a creator, there has to be a manig, a, a being that's, that's, that's making it all work. Now, as in Gufa, the advantage of a malach over the planets or the stars is that when you look at the Malach, you see in the Malach itself, in Malachim, the fact that what is a Malach? You look at you see Malach. Malach also means messenger, representative. And Malach is not just evidence to a God. And Malach is a being that is absolutely subservient to that God and always on call to fulfill what God wants. That helps you feel godliness in a much more tangible way than just to know, oh, there is, in abstract sense, a creator. 
von dem ist verständig. Also in der Meinung von Gilo in der Helm sind wir auch im Herzen von nichts im Sodom, wie sie es dort Matter. So, if we were to measure visibility versus invisibility, angels are one notch up on us living in our worlds. Because you look at an angel and there's visible godliness, you look at us, and there's not visible godliness. As we've already proven, because there's no place in the Torah where our Neshama is given the name of Hashem, not even the name Elikim. In fact, the greatest evidence to the fact that we as Nishamas living in bodies do not automatically express visible godliness is the fact that the Nishama living in a body can get waylaid and do things which are contrary to what Hashem wants. Nicht wie beim Malachim, which can't happen with a Malach, was eine ständige Matze von Greikheit zum Keim Sein Shulchus Hashem Al-Kadosh Baruch The Malachim are always ready to go. They're always available to do exactly what Hashem wants when Hashem wants them to do it. Their funnies move on, that clarifies for us. The fact that every entity that exists, Malachim included, can potentially be a revelation of Elohim and no further, whereas we are a representation of Shema Vaya, that is not a matter of whether it's visible or not. That's not what we're rating over here. And it's probably a valuable thing for us to know generally in life is that what we can see is not always the greatest evidence of what actually is. Nor, it's is an under. The message over here is that what keeps us alive, what feeds us, is something absolutely unique as a neshama. The chayas von nivroim, malochem, is from shem The reality of what gives life to every single thing that exists, malachim included, is only shem alekim, a more superficial divine energy. And the chayas von ishm sodom, guf, is from shem avaya, compared to the energy of our of our neshamas. Even when that neshama is trapped within the confines of the human body. The highest, the energy that it has is Elohim, uh, is Havaya energy. This is the point Alter Rebbe wants to make. It's not about what you could see. It's not about how much Godliness seeps through to the surface. It's about what's going on inside, what actually drives and fills this particular being, Elohim or Havaya. To make that distinction clear for us, in terms of what the different energy factors are, even though, as we already mentioned, from Shara Yuchud Vayamuna, the original, original root of the life of every single thing comes from the Shem Havaya. And on the other hand, Al-Nashama has gone through its evolutionary process and, and, and is therefore invested in the world. So to help us understand the difference, bring that's why the Alter Rebbe quotes three Psukim, because the purpose of those psukim is they're going to illustrate us under what circumstances malochim are given the name Elikim. And that is the connected Jaibchines for Malochim Shabbat Oilam as the, the, the Rebbe's father points out, that's because we're talking about three categories of Malochim over here that reside in the three levels of existence. And that compares to whether it's an expression of thought letters, word letters, or practical letters, which is the source of these three kinds of malachim. So by knowing these three categories, that's going to help us in under, to, to understand what's unique about our neshama's force. 
So those was the drei psukim. Zayim Ramos have the drei bechinas malachim. The fact that these are the three psukim that are chosen to illustrate the three dimensions of malachim. Can mevor is einet in chilikin amteichem vasis mudgash in yadin pasuk. What will help us to understand this is to look at what each of these psukim focuses on. The first pasuk speaks about a connection between the Malachim and Neshamas. Why? Because it's Hashem Alekechem for Neshamas Yisrael. Our God, as Neshamas, our Jewish God, who is the God over those who are called Alekim, the Malachim. So the first pasuk speaks specifically about us as Neshamas in the context of Malachim. Mashenkin and Svetin and Tritin pasuk, which doesn't happen in the other two psukim that Alter ever quoted. But in the second passage, even though it doesn't speak about us and doesn't refer to Neshamas, still is But what's good or what's, what's uh, useful in the second passage is that the Malachim are called Elikim. So in the second pasuk, the Malachim are called Elikim, which obviously is supposed to represent the fullness of their greatness, that they express godliness in the world. Whereas the third pasuk calls them B'nai Elikim, which is a diminutive term. It's quite obvious to us that if the name attributed to Malachim is Elikim, that means the godliness is more visible. And if they're called B'nai Elikim, the implication is that the godliness is less visible. Also, the second pasuk, because it's got the double expression, is alluding to the fact that there is the degree of Elohim expressed through the Malachim, and there's still a link to the degree of Elohim, which is even greater than what will be expressed through the Malachim. The fun is fashtanik, which helps us to understand. As in Ereshen, Pasuk, Velikei, Olikei, Malachim, Isfabunum, Itavai, Elikei, Chem, Nishnom, Yisrael. The first Pasuk, which links the Malachim to us, and therefore by extension to Shema, Vaya. Retzach, Vegni, Malachim, Vosin, Elam, Abriya, Elam, Amachshav. Must be talking about the highest form of Malachim, which is those Serafim who live in the world of Bria, who are the product of Hashem's, so to speak, thought. And therefore they have a link and connection to we, the Jewish people, because the definition of Anushamas is that we are the highest dimension of Hashem's thought, as the expression goes. We're the elevated form of Hashem's thought. In Svetim Pasuk, Whereas the second passage, where the passage does not link the dimension of godliness that belongs to the world of Malachim with the dimension of godliness that belongs to the world of Nishamas. Yet, the name Elohim, which is the dimension of godliness that belongs to the world of Malachim, is stated clearly, implying that the godliness is clear. That must be describing Malachim that are in a lower, a lesser world, the world of Yetzirah, but still a world of revelation, of clarity of godliness. The world of Yetzirah, there's still absolute consciousness and awareness of Hashem, which is why it's called Or, it's considered a place of light. Whereas, on Indritan Posuk, isn't it By the third Posuk, even the name Elohim, representing the godliness that Malachim can experience and share, is somewhat obscured because they're called Bnei Elohim. So there, must be talking about the lowest form of Malachim, the Ifanim, who live in the lowest world of all, which is Asiyah. Okay, but there is of an it must be. We just still don't yet have a clear picture on what's going on over here. Because the physicum dois, as in dem shine halosh and zwischen zweiten pasuk and dritten pasuk, the distinction between the second pasuk, which speaks about elekei hoilekim, and the third pasuk, which speaks about benei hoilekim, 
is Merumah, is not a chilek in an oifen, vidim alochim sanim akabadim chayish hashem alikim. Sounds like the distinction is, in the second pasuk, it's talking about a more direct flow of the energy of alikim to the malochim. Whereas the third pasuk, it sounds like it's saying it's a less visible or less obvious flow of energy from Elohim to the Malachim. As the Malachim is a Malachim In other words, the Malachim and Yetzira, the Chayas, have a more uh, obvious connection to Hashem than those Oifanim living in Asia. But go back to what the Rebbe's father said, which is that what creates or what brings about these three categories of malachim is three different expressions of divine letters. That's implying that in the name Elohim itself, not just in how the name Elohim manifests, but in the name Elohim itself, the three possible categories and, and experiences is mashma. Must tell us that these psukim are not only telling us how much revelation of godliness there is, but actually what kind of elokim is being expressed over here. Now that might sound really abstract at this point. Let's explain it. If we're describing how thoughts work. So first thing about thought is, besides the fact that thoughts exist, thoughts are, by necessity, the catalysts for speech and for action. And therefore, therefore thoughts must incorporate within them three different dimensions. For machshava, there's the actual thoughts themselves. And the potential to translate those thoughts into words and then into actions. All of that is packaged and incorporated within the thoughts that are in our heads. And then the next level, words, once thoughts have been translated into the letters that make up words, that still incorporates two dimensions in it. The words themselves, the words also embed within them the potential to create action. Think about it. You speak, you can motivate people to action. Or you speak, and because of that, you motivate yourself to action. Whereas once those words have been translated into the language of action, that's all you have. You, you, you don't have embedded in the action the potential for thought and the potential for speech. That is being alluded to in these three psukim that the Alter Rebbe chose. In Ashton Pasuk, the first Pasuk which says, That first Pasuk which is describing the process of letters within the realm of thought, where we have said, in thought is incorporated the potential letters of speech and eventually the potential language of thought, that Pasuk says Elikim three times. Because there are three dimensions of godly energy embedded here. In Svetan Pasuk, whereas the second Pasuk, which is speaking about the power of speech, that still contains within the potential for action, there Elikim is mentioned twice. Whereas the third Pasuk, which is speaking about the language of action, well, there, there is no further potential to create either speech or thought, and therefore the word is, Elikim is only there once. That helps us to understand how, by quoting these three psukim, we can get that the Alter Rebbe's 
purpose of this section of the chapter, which is to speak about the absolute distinction and value of our neshamas over everything that exists, malachim included, is clearer having had these three psukim. Just like the letters of Hashem's name, as we've expressed, manifest in three different ways. That once you're at the speech level, you're no longer carrying the potential that that's going to produce thoughts. Thoughts, of course, being the source of and catalyst for speech. And when you're at the level of action, you certainly no longer have the power of machshava that is, so to speak, embedded in those actions. So, this is Marum Osechen, the Dai Psukim Anal, in Zweiten Pasuk Shaita, the Kimchen Osechen, it's not zweimal, and in Dritten Pasuk, it's not einmal. While in the Oise Adibra, it's not the beginning of Machshava, and in Oise, it's not the beginning of Dibra, as we've just explained. That's reflected in the amount of times that Hashem's name is mentioned in each of these Psukim to tell us how many layers are incorporated. So that's describing different levels and states of how much or how many dimensions of Elikim is, are, are being expressed. At the Machshava level, potentially three levels of Elikim. At the Maise level, only one level of Elikim. So a similar distinction exists between Havaya and Elikim. Remember, Havaya and Elikim work in tandem, where the purpose is right? It's the sun and its shield. So Havaya is the energy, and Elikim shapes the energy. So once you're at the Shem Elikim level, you've lost that pristine version of Avaya, right? In the same way as by the time you're at the action level, you no longer have the intensity and power of thought. So by the time you're in the Elikim level, you no longer have the beauty and power and the pristine expression of godliness of Havaya. Of course, it's really important for us to realize that whatever filtration or limitations or shaping the name Elikim does is only to the recipient. makes it really clear in Tanya that because the Ebeshter has applied a filter towards us that does not, God forbid, limit Hashem in any way or obscure Hashem in any way from his side of the, of the fence. But it's very important that Hasidus defines for us that our experience of Hashem being hidden and obscured because of the symptom that has happened is not a figment of our imagination. It is our reality. So Elohim is a reality of much diminished godliness. And this, this we understand and is illustrated because of what happens in the shame Elohim with Malachim. Right? Hashem Elokim, then Elokim, and then Elokim. This whole filtration and diminishing of the experience of Elokim helps us to understand that that's how the whole world exists. The whole world exists that most of the goodness has been hidden from us. And that tells us clearly that the energy of godliness that makes every single thing exist, as they engage us with his creations, has none of the greatness and value of Shem Havaya, even though it originates from Shem Havaya, but now no longer has any of the greatness and value of Shem Havaya. It only has the greatness of Elikim. And that's the greatness of Anushama. 
Because a chais from Malachim is from Shemelekim, even a great Malach only draws energy from Shemelekim. And at that point, Shemelekim seems to be devoid of any consciousness of Havaya. And if I'm at the next level down of Malochim, not only do I not have Shem Avaya, I don't even have the full expression of Shem Elikim. I don't have the Machshava level of Shem Elikim. And if I'm talking about the Oifanim, that are the lowest form of Malachim, not only do they not have the experience of Shem Havaya in their lives, they don't even have the Machshava, they don't even have the deeper level of Shem Elikim. And those are so-called our closest neighbors, the Oifanim, the Malachim that are living in this world. Whereas we, we who are living in this world and we've gone through all this major symptom, possibly even more symptom than anything else that exists. And these are not just words, they are words related to action. So the lowest form of words, which in the Malach context blocks out 90% of the godliness from them, Still, the Chiddush of a Neshama is, even in that form, our real day-to-day plug-in. Where do we get our Chayas from? Shem Havaya. Something which is completely, fundamentally, and absolutely different to every single thing that exists, Malochim included. We always retain that absolute Chayas of Shem Havaya, and that's what makes us so unique.